All right, everybody, welcome to another edition of What's What BR. Today, we have three special guests with us from Fran Yu. If anybody doesn't know what Fran Yu is, you'll find out very shortly. First, we have Dr. Holland. How are you today? Doing great. Thank you. Awesome. Then we have Kaylin down here. And uh, my bottom left, it changes for everybody, depending on where you are. But how are you, Kaylin? I'm swell. Swell? Oh, I had yeah. some new ones. So, and the... Uh, we also have Quentin. How are you, sir? Doing well. I'm groovy. Groovy. There we swell, groovy, and fine. It's, we're going to make it today. Well, look, I guess to dive in, there's a lot of history and a lot of people may not know. Uh, there's been a lot of, you know, Fran you. let's just start there. You know, Darton, you've got the uh, highest title of all of us on here. So tell us, we'll let you go first and tell us, you know, what is Fran you? I know what it is, but for anybody who has no idea. Sure. Um, Fran Yu is the nickname, really, for Franciscan Missionaries of Our Lady University. And since that name is such a mouthful, and since the students are so clever, uh, when the name was changed from Our Lady of the Lake College to Franciscan Missionaries of Our Lady University, and that was the choice of our founders, the sisters, the Franciscan Missionaries of Our Lady, um, the, the University, of course, is their namesake. And when they changed the name uh, to match their congregation, uh, the URL that we were able to get for our website and email was franu.edu. So the students just started calling us FranU. And, you know, you just don't get in the way of students. It's, it's kind of like when you have a campus and you don't put the sidewalks down until you see where the students kill the grass. Um, it's, a, it, it's the same idea. So um, we, uh, we went with them and uh, branded as Fran Yu. It's not the official name, as I said. We, you know, sometimes we shorten it to Franciscan, but that can get confused with the 24 other Franciscan universities and colleges in the country. Uh, particularly the Franciscan uh, University out in Steubenville. So we don't go necessarily by Franciscan, but by Fran Yu, because it's just simply easier than saying Franciscan Missionaries of Our Lady University. .edu would be a really long name. I yes. imagine having to type that every time I had to email somebody. Right, <laughs> right. So we thank the students for that nickname because it caught on and uh, we decided we'd run with it. There we go. That's and how long? So it's Fran Yu is the new nickname, but Our Lady of the Lake Medical College wasn't that? That was the first. Our the it was first Our Lady of the nickname. Lake School of Nursing, and it was a a hospital based nursing school. Mm -hmm. uh, but then in the eighties, um, in order to be accredited, the school was um, separately incorporated, and then they started adding allied health professions. Um, and um, moved from a diploma school to um, degree nursing. And that became then Our Lady of the Lake College of Nursing and Allied Health. And then in order to um, really enhance the degrees and do justice to what we call the Catholic intellectual tradition, we had to strengthen the core of the curriculum. Mm -hmm. And so uh, that's when we added arts and sciences so that the, um, the nurses and the uh, allied health professionals would be well-rounded, uh, would understand sort of the purpose and other important aspects behind their technical 
education. And that's when we became um, the uh, Arley Lake College period. And then we started adding uh, graduate degrees, uh, clear on up through the doctoral degrees. And so with that level of complexity, we became a university. And so we changed our name to match that. And of course, there's colleges in the in the country that are that have university status, Boston College, um, College of the South. Those are, but because of their historic names, they choose to to keep, you know, uh, our the the Holy Cross College out in Worcester. You know, it's clearly a university, but because of that historic name, they choose to keep their name college. We, however, um, said, you know what. Uh, we have a, a college or a school of nursing, a school of health professions, and a school of arts and sciences. We're a university. Um, so in 2016 is when we started the process of renaming and rebranding. There we go. That And you mentioned, is that somewhere along the lines, you know, these, these servant leaders and kind of that's the mission was to continue to grow, you know, and expand, you know, the off, I guess the offer is the third word? Offerings, <laughs> right. Well, we... Um, we actually, uh, uh, thanks to uh, Quentin and the rest of the Board of Trustees, uh, we actually rewrote the mission statement we had for many years because we sort of, as I shared the history, we sort of morphed from being um, primarily a healthcare organization that did teaching. Now we are an educational organization with a special niche in healthcare. And so we really had to... Um, uh, present a mission statement that was clearly an educational mission statement and one that did justice to our Franciscan and Catholic heritage. So um, we did compose a new mission statement for the university and um, essentially it is to educate and form Franciscan servant leaders of all faiths. And we say of all faiths because Franciscan isn't necessarily, doesn't necessarily require one to be Catholic. To be Franciscan is to have a certain lifestyle um, and one that is exemplary of St. Francis. And we have our core values that, that describe that, that lifestyle. And of course, it's all founded in the, in the gospel message. But um, as I said, to live, those, to, to live the Franciscan lifestyle does not necessarily require one to be Catholic. But we certainly don't apologize that we're a, um, a Catholic university. And we also have in our mission statement a very clear statement of faith and fidelity to the teaching authority of the church. Well, that's awesome. So I'm assuming with all those changes, things are good. You know, I would assume, you know, growth is happening for you guys. And that's that's obviously what you want, but also, you know, when you're competing against other major universities that we have, you know, in our area to, to have that from what I heard, you know, numbers are up, you know, for you guys. Numbers are up, but I, I have to say the shape of the enrollment for me and for what I, what I try to explain to our board is the shape of the enrollment is far more important than the size. Mm -hmm. Because as many private institutions are growing in headcount, they're losing net tuition revenue, which then doesn't support their operations. Um, and uh, th that's happening because they're discounting tuition and they're going doing a lot of interesting um, uh, financial somersaults to, to get their headcounts. We are we, we take the model though of a more uh, low tuition, low discount. So we don't forego revenue, but we do um, supplement students 
tuition with private um, scholarships that might gap what they get in state aid and, and federal aid. Um, so when we say we shape the enrollment, we want to make sure that we have the kinds of students that we can best serve. Now we're not gonna admit only ringers, you know, we're always gonna bring in uh, students for whom it might be a risk and we're gonna have to support them more than other students, but we are not gonna admit students who don't really have a reasonable chance of being successful, even with the supportive environment that we provide. Uh, so that's, that's part of it. Um, and quality is for us the most important. And then if we, you know, can attract more students and can raise enough scholarship dollars to support those who might not otherwise be able to attend, then we grow. Uh, but for, for us, size really is determined by the need in the community, not how many students we want to enroll in because more students means more tuition. No, if there's a need in the community, then we will do what we can to meet that need. And if so, if that means that we need to recruit more students, we will. And if those students need more support, then we'll have to invest in that support. And that's like a perfect, like I was sitting here trying to think of how I was going to move to the, I had this segue, I've got to kind of work us through and I'm kind of blowing through the creativity, you know, side of it. But, you know, you speak of a need in the community, you know, we all know where we are, you know, right now in these COVID times that we live, you guys feel the need, you know, Rand did a, from what I've read, an early graduation, you know, in April to get some of this workforce, mm -hmm. you know, into the hospitals. You mind tell me a little more, you know, is there more to it? Because I think it's also in November, you know, as well. Yes. We're able to push some people out. Well, when, when COVID hit, um, we did what um, what good Franciscans do, and we adjusted to meet the, meet the needs of our community, which means our faculty and our students. And it was not ideal, but we did a beautiful pivot um, seamlessly to an online environment. I um, had some adjustments to do, but we didn't miss a beat. And in fact, uh, Kaylin is part of the class. Uh, well, you no, you're graduating in um, in November. Is that right, Kaylin? I am actually graduating in May. So I oh. hope you graduate me earlier in April as well. Oh, okay. <laughs> so. Kaylin was among the students that had to do that shift and try to figure out how we're going to get our clinical um, experiences in in, in, in a uh, socially distanced environment and in where COVID is so, um, you know, uh, such a high risk and all of that. But the class ahead of her, full year ahead of her, uh, graduated in um, the middle of April. Um, a full month earlier, six weeks maybe earlier than they were pl planning to graduate because we were getting calls saying we're understaffed and we need these nurses. Mm -hmm. So it meant they had to agree to double up on their work. The faculty had to agree to, to work twice as hard. And we had to make sure that it was done in a really rigorous and, and highly focused way because they had to pass their licensing exams. So it's not like you could skip any material or gloss over anything. Uh, they had to literally get twice as much work done and learn twice as much material in those last few weeks as they normally would. And the same thing with our respiratory therapy students, the bachelor's in respiratory therapy, they did the same thing. Um, and then they were, they, they had 
promises of employment well before they graduated, and they went immediately to work as soon as they um, received their diplomas. And pass your boards and yes. on the way in, well, stop, uh, stop in, pass well, your boards and don't even go home. To the Just boards, go you know, it's pending their boards, but they, um, 100% of the students pass their boards on the first go. So when you get 100% pass rate in these licensing exams, that's a big deal, especially when they had to double up on the, on the material, um, learn twice as much material in half the time. That was very impressive. And I, you know, I've taught yeah. for many years and I, my hat goes off to the faculty and to the students. That's, that's amazing. I've talked to a number of different schools and just, I think it was what, uh, things like March 13th, you know, was that the infamous day where everybody, it was like a Friday maybe. And it was like, everybody go home, take the kids home and everybody go figure it out. And I talked to everybody and I always ask the question and nobody ever has you know, the answer, but I just, we all have, you know, in our IT worlds, you know, a disaster plan, you know, if, you know, we lose power, we have this plan. I've yet to talk with anybody on this show or anybody like that had like the pandemic plan. You know, it's like, how do we immediately turn around? Like if there was a pandemic, what are we going to do? How do we flip this whole game on its head and figure it out all over the weekend and start on Monday. Right. It sounds like you guys got, you know, pretty well, we close. have an advantage. <laughs> we do have a very talented instructional technology um, team and we are in the online space already. Mm -hmm. So, um, it, and we have a very creative faculty who um, are so mission centered, no matter how they're going to teach, they're going to make sure that it's done in a Franciscan way, which means that it's highly, highly relationship based. It's hard to do that in an online setting, but they figured out ways to, you know, use different kinds of apps to create um, uh, engaged environments. And some are better than at it than others. But okay. we had said, right, there'd be no asynchronous kind of learning, you know, where it's voice over PowerPoint and, and there's no real time back and forth. Uh, we had one faculty think that that would be okay, and we had to say, you know, no, it's not. It's not how we roll at Franciscan. So you you can't plug and play. You are. It's as if you're in the classroom, and you got to work that much harder to to create that relationship with the students. But they did it, uh, and uh, my hat goes off to them. Uh, we're very very proud of their accomplishments. We had a uh, we had a rule that I ran in our office that was you know whenever we had meetings and we've always used zoom in the office but the rule that we always had was if your camera's not on you're not in the meeting you know mm -hmm. so that it, it doesn't count if i don't care if you're logged in you know because i don't know what if i don't see you and you're sitting there on mute i don't know if you're on the other end of this or you know what's happening um and you talk oh, about yeah. adapting you talk about adapting i talked to uh, a buddy of mine was saying how he went, he just thought it was interesting. He saw an ad for, it was, this wasn't here, but for a, like a hardware store. And in the ad, it was, they were FaceTime shoppers. And he called them up and he was like, "What? how does this work, FaceTime, you know, shopping? And they go, oh, well, we give you the number of one of our associates. And this is when everything was shut down. They're like, and they just walk around holding the phone and let you see everything on FaceTime. And if you Perfect. want something, grab it, you know, and he's like, I ended up spending three hundred dollars. I didn't even. I just wanted to see how it worked, you know. But it was like, that's the ingenuity of people going, you know. Hey, I've got to keep my people working. I got to keep my business. You know, what else? Like, people can't come in. 
he said they all had iPhones and they started running ad campaigns and that's what they were doing that they were FaceTime, you know, shoppers. So I think it's, I think out of all of this, when the dust settles, I think we're all going to find that, you know, in the end, you know, this was, this pushed a lot of us on technology and us uh -huh. to do things a little bit differently that ultimately will help us, you know, in the long run. So if my notes are correct, you've got, you know, we're 2020, which I think everybody's pretty much done with at this point. You know, if we could just, <laughs> you yeah. know, my daughter says on New Year's, like we're all supposed to scream like Jumanji to like get out of the game or something at midnight. <laughs> <laughs> like it's not a happy new year. We're all screaming Jumanji. We're going to be done. But 2023, right, is, you know, that'll be, it's a hundred years for you guys, yes. right? That is... Yeah. I don't even know where you would start. You know, we're at 30, you know, over here. And I'm just like in shock and awe. But 100 years of trying to go, you know, we didn't have internet. We didn't have book. This is completely another, you know, world. Is What's next? Anything? Any secrets that you want to share? Any well, um, the, the, the real focus of the university now is to – and it's always been to some degree, but we really are focusing on our partnerships with um, other educational uh, organizations at the, you know, the high school and the community college level to, and, and with businesses, employers, to um, do our part to try to fulfill the strategic plan of, for higher education in the state, um, Prosper, Indiana, Prosper, Louisiana, and to, to um, to help to grow the educational level of um, Louisianans in the areas that we're qualified to do so, um, especially those that are um, high need, which of course isn't nearly all of our um, majors because we only grow, we only offer programs when there's a need. So uh, we really are um, focusing on partnerships that will help to um, grow the workforce in those areas of greatest need, but in a way that's very different than, say, the industrial model of the land-grant public institutions, because we, our, our first focus is not the economic machine, but the student, the individual student. But it's through the growth and the development and the fulfillment of the student's God-given potential that then they contribute to the advancement of the state. So we really are a private institution with a public purpose mm -hmm. uh, you know, to serve the public good. So we really want to see, all right, talk to the employers and say, how can you grow your own? And how can we help you? Are you willing to invest in your employees such that you don't spend that same money and more out trying to recruit folks. You know, we know it's mm -hmm. difficult to bring people from out of state. And I came from out of state. Quentin came from out of state to, um, to come to Louisiana and work. We know that's difficult. We have to improve that. Well, the way to do it is to grow our own citizenry and um, really become more sophisticated in our ability to use the resources we have and you know, make the 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 whole bigger than the sum of parts. Did that make sense? 
Yeah, no. And, you know, you're saying resources. And I was just thinking, you know, like, do you see some of this? I think the answer is yes. But, you know, just in my mind, you know, obviously for, you know, higher education, you know, and education as a whole, you know, cost is, you know, it's a big factor, you know, but it would seem like that now that we've got, we're like, I, years ago, like two years ago, I was given like an award with Zoom for like top 10% of the Zoom users. I used it everywhere in other businesses, but for the life of me, I couldn't get anybody in Baton Rouge. Like, I'd be like, hey, can you want to jump on a Zoom? And they'd be like, you know, like just nobody knew what it was. Now, like I told somebody the other day, I will never drive downtown for a 15 minute meeting. You know, again, we're getting on Zoom. I'm not fighting. I'm not spending two hours to go talk to somebody for 15 minutes. Now that that's accepted, you know, and almost, you know, it's socially acceptable. Do you see, like, it would seem like you could have so many more guest lectures, you know, or so many mm-hmm. experts, you know, could come in. It's like, hey, we don't need to get you on a plane. You don't have to come out here. We don't have to pay all that. It's like, we just want an hour of your time, you know, sitting down behind a screen. And we want to ask, it seemed like that that would be a major shift, you know, that like, that's okay. And then not only that, one of the things that, you know, we love with Zoom, you know, is, is that we record it and we can go back and watch it again. And it's like, you know, I have always been horrible at taking notes. Now with Zoom, I, I don't even pretend to take notes anymore. It's like, I'll just go back and rewatch the game film again if I have to, you know, and see what happened. But is that stuff you guys, you see, or you guys doing? Is it already happening um, where our face-to-face classes, for example, have a high-tech camera system so that if students are quarantined, they are still participating in the class at home while the face-to-face class is going on. Um, they are recorded. So if a student is, uh, you know, misses the lecture, they can, um, they, you know, they can get it uh, as capture, it's called something called capture lecture or something like that. Um, my provost knows more about the specifics but it, it sort of opened the door for more fluidity between the remote and face-to-face environment. So teaching is teaching. The difference is, do you use a blackboard or an overhead projector or a, um, a nifty um, computer projector to, to yeah. show your materials? And do you do it uh, in front of a class or in front of a, a camera or both? Um, so it, it's just adds more options to, um, I guess, to expand your audience. And if you speak and expand the audience, that's kind of where I was going to go. It seems like, like I remember you could, I don't know why, I never understood the term, but it was like you could audit a class or you could mm-hmm. go see a class and just kind of sit through it and kind of decide, you know, do I want to do this? Do I not want to do this? It would seem like this is a, perfect opportunity where you know maybe a professor's like you know hey, I nailed that lecture you know put that one in the books if somebody wants to see if this is right for them you know right. this is something that they don't have to come sit in the classroom for you could kind of archive this and pull it all together and say look if you're not sure you know come tour the campus come talk to us we're nice people but then hey we'll send you some links it's three hours worth of classes you know watch them at your leisure and tell us if you think this is something that you'd be interested in, or if you think you could keep up with, you know, that kind of thing. For some of those purposes, that's really, those are really good ways of using the technology, but I want to be very, very clear in saying that it's not, online is not a panacea, and especially for Franciscan education, it is not the best way 
to teach? Can we get by? Yes. Do we get the very best outcomes? We're already, the research shows no. And now we are seeing that um, some of our uh, students are not performing as well as those who are um, in a face-to-face -face environment. And so we are doing some work to make sure that even in a um, uh, socially distanced way, we get enough um, space. So it means we have to go off campus to find some additional space so that we can be face-to-face -face with these students in a distance um, uh, orientation because we know that they, we, they will do better when you can look at them eyeball to eyeball and breathe in the same air, but six feet apart, of course. Um, so, I get it. No, we, so we will insist on doing that, but it's gonna, it, it takes some more resources to get that done. Yeah, no, I don't, my daughter's school for some reason thought it was a good idea. If, like they sent Latin home and they're like, Brandon, teach her Latin. I'm like, I don't know English. And how do you want me to teach her Latin? And I don't, I, I can't read the stuff, you know? So, and then it was like, and then somebody, I talked to one of them and they were like, well, here, we'll help you and da, 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 do this. And I'm like, I don't know what she's saying, if it's right or wrong. You know, like, I'm just like, okay, you said a bunch of, you know, mess to me. I don't know. It, you've got to have some of that interaction. Right. You know, I'm as much, I love the tech, you know, I love that we're able to, you know, all sit here and do this, you know, show right now. That's great. But, you know, to... I don't want to just sit there and watch videos for two years and all of a sudden somebody go, you know, drop you in the hospital and say, Hey, look, I watched a bunch of, it's almost like that. I stayed at the holiday Inn last night, you know, it's, I watched two years worth of video. It's not the same. No, we, and of <laughs> course our clinical and um, laboratory experiences must be face to face. Uh, we mm -hmm. did do some in the early part of COVID. We did some uh, uh, online simulations. Kaylin's more qualified than I to talk a little bit about that. I don't know how well that went. Um, and then there's very expensive ways to do testing and proctoring testing online. Uh, that's another, you know, that was another challenge, but we got it done. It costs more money than being face-to-face -face proctoring. And um, some of the labs um, were even done uh, virtually and not ideal, but but we got them done. That's so Kaylin, tell me, you know, what what brought you, you know, to Fran you, you know, we've heard a whole lot about it, you know, but obviously you had the choice to go everywhere. You're paying them, so not them paying you to be there. So you obviously want to be there. You know, what's the what was the story there? So I'm originally from Chauvin, Louisiana. If you're not familiar, there's one bayou, two roads. You're either going down the bayou or up the bayou. And so there was a lot of choices for me. And I really didn't know where I wanted to go or who I wanted to be. But I knew that God had a big plan for me. He gave me two functioning hands and one big heart. So why not help as many people as I can? It was actually my first career fair. I was walking through all the tables, and all my friends were like, ooh, LSU, are you well? And I was like, yeah. Mm. And so I walked by this table, and I gra I started for NU in 2016. So it was Our Lady of the Lake at the time. So I stopped at the lake's table, and it was just like an immediate connection. It was like we were both burning a fire, and it just became a bonfire. Like, it, it felt so good. It felt so right. And so I went to my first little open house, 
and the lady that I met, her name, I don't know if I can name drop, but she was actually, she became my advisor for the university. And she, I still, to this day, I consider her a friend. I made plenty of friends and family members out of my mentors and staff that I, um, you know, met at FranU. So, you know, FranU was an easy choice. I was getting a great education. I was making a home out of FranU. I was making a family out of FranU. And like, to this day, I will be anyone's guinea pig to help out FranU and recruit as many people as I can because it's the best and easiest decision I've ever made. She was a great mascot. She was was Wally the Wolf. Yes. I was the original mascot. I was a student ambassador. I'm actually, I I have a full scholarship at at FranU. So I was a Franciscan scholarship recipient. I was secretary of SGA. Um, I tutor on campus. This is my third year camp uh, tutoring, I think. And I'm in student nurses association as the like event coordinator. So I am always doing something. It sounds like they're going to be rigging it to where you're just not able to graduate. They're going to keep you around. <laughs> I think that's what happens, you know? They're spoiled. You talked earlier about getting out early. I think they're like, how can we delay? Like, we got to put a nut. She's got to do some more. We'll figure, you know, she's got one more year. We're not letting her out. Yeah, well, there's more where she came from. I'm I'm here to tell you. Oh, yeah. 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 There's only one, Kaylin. But we're, we've been fortunate that, you know, you get students that really um, – know how to engage. And uh, that's what I wish more students would understand is that when you go to, when you go to school, make use of every single opportunity because you're learning so much more than the material that's on the syllabus. You're learning, I mean, Kayla will look back and say, and I promise you this, because I've been in this business for 30 years, you'll look back and say, I learned at least as much of valuable material um, as Wally and SGA president um, and in Student Nursing Association as I did in Calculus or Pathophys. Um, so it's a, a how she deals with patients. She's learning in the formation part of FranU. So we, we talk about education and formation. Um, and that formation is where we you know, we try to get into the hearts of the students and say, all right, you know, yeah, you're going to be a really good nurse, but what kind of really good nurse are you going to be? You know, what's what's your purpose going to be? What's your motivation going to be? Um, Because if it's just that nurse's bonus and the high demand pay, um, you're going to be a lousy nurse. Or you you could be the, I know some, I know some people, not nurses, but at their job, they are the best at what they do, but nobody wants to be around them. Like it's, it's like you know what they are just a genius, but it's like they either missed the soft skills, you know, they didn't learn how to interact, you know, with other people. And it sounds like you know you kind of getting that all the way across the board. So what would you know, Caitlin, What would you say like if there's like we said, you'd said it, you know, there's the LSU, there's the Southerns, there's the Southeasterns, you know, there's no, you know, loyal, there's all these, we've got schools here. We've got, you know, a lot of people say, you know, as soon as I graduate, I'm getting out of Baton Rouge, you know, or I'm going to get out of here. You know, I want to go to, a, you know, some big, why would they, you know, what's the hook? Like, Hey, before you go and do that, you know, go take a look at Fran you. 
I think that my biggest takeaway with this is like, I, d I didn't see it for myself. Like I knew I was coming to get an education somewhere, but I really discovered personal branding. Um, you know, instead of saying like, oh, I have to go to class or I have to go volunteer. It's I get to volunteer or I get to help. So it's like you really develop that vocational mindset. You know, it's not it's not just a job. It's not just a career. It's not just a paycheck. It's actual people that you get to help. You get to learn from great people who have great experience. And it's not just in one specific field. You know, it really covers all aspects, especially of the Franciscan core values. You know, like at first I was like, why are they drilling this in my head? But then afterwards you realize it's like, because this is the type of character and nurse I want to be, you know, in bedside manner, especially your patients know that, like they know if you're having a bad day or if you don't really care about what you're doing. And some of them will say like, um, how are you doing? Or are you in a bad mood? You know, so it's important to really care about what you're doing. And I really think that that's what Fran U sets apart from other universities. You know, we may not get the football games and all that stuff, but we have a lots of free t-shirts at every event. Um, SGA does a great job of, um, you know, getting that student core, you know, where every month there's an event and everyone comes together, faculty, staff, and there's big ones. There's Turkey Bowl. There's Oktoberfest. Um, the crawfish boil in April is my favorite because it's always on my birthday. So it's like a big birthday present. But, you know, brand new, um, man, it's brand new something. That's for sure. That's all I can yeah. say. You have to take all the t-shirts and make a quilt out of it. I hear this mm -hmm. thing to do at the end. Yeah, so. Maybe so. <laughs> so, well, Jack, Quentin, we hadn't heard from you, and you're not stuck on mute, so I'm going to come talk to you for a little <laughs> bit. So, what, um, tell me, what are you doing over there for you? You know, for anybody, what's your, um, other than like we all are these days, you know, everybody's the, uh, I'm taking out trash, I'm cleaning desks, I'm doing this. What are you supposed to be working primarily on? Yeah, thank you. I'm, I, I'm a member of the Board of Trustees. I'm very honored to be a part of that. And, and on the Board of Trustees, you're really are working with Dr. Holland and the leadership team to ensure that students like Halen are having the type of experience that she's having. That's really what it's all about. It's having young people who come to school, they spend four, five, six years, and on the other side, they are productive young, young adults who are going um, about the world with an a certain amount of integrity a commitment to selflessness and uh, exceeding confidence in their possibility. So that's what that's what we're here as a board to try to make sure that we have the financial um, and the, the resources. So Brandon, kudos to your team for affording us this opportunity to continue to get the message out. So that's what we're we're focused on as as a as a board of trustees. Well. I had one of my questions and I have to disclaimer it now with, it's going to sound like I'm really ignorant, but you know, the question was, you know, what's the outlook and what's the demand, you know, kind of for, you know, healthcare professionals, you know, like I think any other pre COVID that might sound like a normal question, but you know, I think it's, you know, it's kind of probably an obvious, but at the same time, you know, this is a spike like everything else, right. you know, where we're at, but it seems like, you know, healthcare is always, it's not going to go away at any point in time. Right. You know, it's, 
there. We need it. But what do you see it as? So you, you made a, it's a great question in that in my day job, um, I lead economic development in New Orleans. Um, so I spend a lot of time thinking about what's happening with the economy. What are, what's the demand on labor? Um, you know, what skills are required? And I think you made a great point earlier is that there are a lot of people who are going to go into nursing or there are a lot of people who are going to go to respiratory therapy, physical therapy, or occupational therapy. But do they have that ethic of care? Do they have that willingness to go to extra mile? Are they going to be that nurse that holds that phone up to that patient so that patient can FaceTime with his or her family? Are they going to go the extra mile? Are they going to, are they going to try to always project optimism for patients who are dealing with some of the most difficult situations? And that's the difference between the type of uh, graduate of uh, Fran Yu relative to other schools. That's not to say anything different. It's just to say that a big part of the grading, a big part of the culture is that ethic of care. It's not a, oh, you know, be a nice person. It is a way of life. It's, 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 it's going heartened back to, to St. Francis. I, I'll say I'm not Catholic, but I'm a person of faith. And Dr. Holland made it very clear in the beginning that, you know, Fran Yu is about people who understand the ethic of care, that servant leadership, that desire to make humanity better and, and, and more open and available for everyone. I think, you know, in a previous life, I worked, you know, in the, you know, in the IT business and had some companies doing that. And, you know, those people would call you, you know, and say, this is broke, you know, or this is what's wrong, you know, and it's, and I'm making a point here. It's, and you would have to sit there and listen. And I would explain to, you know, staff, I'm like, you know, look, well, they only call you. The only reason why they're calling us is they're not going to call and say, everything's great. You know, just thought we'd let you know, you know, the server's working great today. You know, I can get to every file. Just thought you might want to know, grab a late lunch if you need to. You don't get those calls. And in healthcare and these nurses, you know, and Kaylin, you meet people a lot of times potentially on what very well could be the worst day of their life. You know, every day you do it in, you know, it's from one room to the next room, to the next room, to the next room, you know, and you, you've got to, you got to stand strong. You know, you kind of got to shake it off. You know, it's like close the door. I'm going to leave that behind me and I'm going to go and, it might be the worst, you know, situation in, you know, bed six, but I got to go to bed 12 and I've got from six to 12 to shine this up and get in there and be, you know, happy and excited because if you got a bunch of people, you know, really upset and in a bad, it's, it's not going to get any better, you know, and that's, that speaks to what I think you're talking about, you know, it's where we said you can be great, you know, at your job, but if you don't have the personality where somebody wants to be around you, it's, um, not the greatest thing, right? It's um, absolutely, we absolutely. I mean, I'll, I'll say that there are a lot of people who are technically proficient, but because of that lack of social emotional intelligence or a lack of integrity, mm -hmm. are underachieving or underemployed or unemployed. And that's not going to be the case with graduates at Fran U. They're going to be prepared yeah. not only to have the skills but they're going to have the comportment where you, when, when Kaylin walks in or she works with the team that she's about to go on as she begins her professional life, 
they know when they give her an assignment, they can just go to sleep easy at night. It's taken care of. Because mm -hmm. she's going to raise her hand, and if it's if she doesn't know, she's going to ask insightful questions in the beginning. She's not going to mislead people. She's going to always understand that there there's hope, but she's not going to sugarcoat things, and she's going to be responsible. And, and, and that's not always easy at 20, mm -hmm. 21, 22, 23, but it only becomes um, easy and apparent, I would think, and I wish I had, had this when I was at that age, when you are anchored by something bigger than yourself, when you're anchored by a focus on God, you're anchored by the focus on your fellow students and, and the faculty. And, and Kalen made the great uh, point in the beginning. It's a family. And that's what college is about. When you think about the meaning of even alma mater, it has to do with mother and 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 and, mm -hmm. and, and family, and I think and and particularly in these times, um, that's the value that parents are looking for. That's the the value that young people are looking for is they're incurring debt and making major sacrifices, and that's why I think uh, Fran Yu is the best kept secret, not only in the capital region, but the entire Gulf Coast, and I would argue in the Southeast, and, and if not the nation, because it's that type of ethic of care where you see young people transformed. That's uh, incredibly valuable. I think I would equate in my mixed up brain, I, um, I, I fly airplanes. And when you're learning to fly, you know, an airplane, they say any landing that you can walk away from is a good landing. But any landing you can use the plane again on is a great one, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and so it's it, either way, you know, you've landed the plane. It's good. But, you know, it sounds like you guys have, you know, the great ones. You can keep using them, you know, again. And so well, I don't know why that popped in my head there. You know, and it's it's this is why I, I feel strongly about partnering with employers uh, and growing their own in a way that goes beyond um, technical proficiency so that they can fill a spot, right? Um, that whole pr um, that whole approach that calls people human capital. You know, we don't we don't embrace that kind of language because these are human beings. These are people, sons and daughters. You know, they're not they're not capital. Um, but we we feel that our students can add so much more value to organizations because of the fact that they are more than highly skilled professionals. You know, our, our mission statement says that we prepare these, uh, and we educate and form Franciscan servant leaders. And the way that we do it is we prepare them to be highly skilled professionals. That's a given. Everybody does that. But mm -hmm. we also prepare them to be integrated thinkers, which means they got to make connections and do some critical thinking and question the, you know, whether or not something makes sense. And even though nurses and other healthcare professionals have protocols, sometimes those protocols aren't going to apply and you have to ask some tough questions, right? So that's where the mm -hmm. integrated thinking comes in. And then the idea of being a, um, we prepare them to be faith-filled citizens, which means that because of their faith and their understanding of what Caleb called a vocation, a calling, there is an obligation and a privilege to serve in one's community. And that if you're lucky enough, your job 
encompasses that, right? But sometimes there, there's also things that we do in our in our lives, like okay, so Quentin's service on the um, on the board of trustees is a manifestation of his faith-filled citizenship um, because he's advancing the mission of a really fine university that contributes in a in a special way to the community. Um, when Kalen Kalen doesn't even wait till she graduates. Every one of our students participates in a service learning experience that um, that bears credit because it's embedded in a content course. So, for example, while the students learn in biology, they are performing service learning projects within uh, a partner organization in the community. So maybe it's in one of the elementary schools. And part of their service learning is to teach um, biological exploration and do, you know, um, experiments um, with small children. And they learn the scientific method by, you know, making Play-Doh or something. So they're, um, they're, then they have to reflect. And through, you know, what they've learned in their intro to theology classes and their ethics classes, what you know, what did you observe in your service learning? How did this express the Franciscan core values? Um, what, uh, you know, what did you learn in terms of the human experience? Um, uh, good, bad, and ugly. Those are, that's how we build those, those faith-filled citizens. But they're also the integrated thinkers because they're taking what they've learned in the classroom and they're integrating it with an experience in the community, um, typically with young people or other folks, maybe seniors, who um, really are going to thrive due to that that connection. And I've, you mentioned that service learning. I've noticed, at least for myself, in things, you know, if I'm learning, like I said, if it was with an airplane, I may not fully have learned something yet, but if I try to teach what I've learned to someone else or like a smaller version of it, I end up learning it myself yeah. a little bit better. Yeah, you know, it's like piggyback on it about yeah. my experience with service learning. Um, and you because you asked me earlier what sets Fran you apart or why should I like encourage other students to come here is because service learning there you go you go to homeless shelters you go to like um council on aging which is like a facility for elderly in the com community and you can they get free meals they get their bingo their yoga you know there there's different places that you can go and during my experience i did go to council on aging i i volunteer at mary bird cancer center I did uh, Sunrise Senior Living, and you know, from each one, I learned something, and I fell more in love with why I chose Fran U, and really just the career path. So that's what really what sets Fran U apart is that real hands-on actual experience. It's not just a section in your textbook; it's real life. It sounds like that would even help, you know, and that's kind of Fran U in themselves a way of helping you after school you know you know people at mary bird perkins now you know people at the council on aging so you've got oh, relationships and it's oh, yeah. kind of like where where do i want to go who do i like the best yes. at this point and that's so, why we have 100 percent placement that's impressive number yes so so do, 
Quentin, you guys you talked on some partnerships, and I think you're on some of these, you know, strategically, you know, kind of some of these partnerships. I know I've seen a couple of them in the community, but, you know, you guys are doing, A, a lot in the community, but you also got, you know, these partnerships that are bringing more value to the community. Can you tell me a little? little sure. Right? Yeah, and I would love Dr. Holland and Kaylin to talk about it as well, but I think there are really three things. So first is really a partnership um to expose more of the next generation who are interested in having a unique Franciscan learning experience to the fact that FranU is here. So Kaylin mentioned being a Franciscan scholar and we have other programming um, that Dr. Holland can talk about that affords young people who are serious about their faith walk, their Christian walk, to really participate in an academic setting with like-minded um, young people. So that's really a part of making sure that the community has that next generation. Uh, Fran, you also works closely with Crystal Ray, the high school in Baton Rouge, and, and, and provides an opportunity for those young people to have exposure. Um, second, um, in addition to the partnership with Our Lady of the Lake, but Fran, you is also working with BRCC and others to try to provide opportunities for, for graduates because we know that there's a severe there's always been a persistent nursing shortage for a variety of different reasons that go beyond the scope of, of, of this podcast. But, you know, Fran Yu is working to try to um, alleviate that and really equip the next generation of our nursing professional with tools, as you alluded to, to deal with the fact that they go through a lot of trauma just in their day-to-day -day walk as a nurse. And how do they handle that so you don't get burnt out? So you can continue to find that joy, that purpose, that, that God-given purpose that, that Christ put inside of you that led you to that. How can you keep you know getting and drawing to him and getting that inexhaustible supply of energy to go back and forth? And I think the last thing that we're I'm very excited about is you know, we're building St. Francis Hall. So we're gonna build a front door, so we're gonna be much more visible. To the rest of the community than we have been historically historically you know we've just been about keeping your head down training great you know people but haven't been so focused on buildings and all those edifices but you know when you've got something good when you have a hundred percent placement you deserve to have somewhere where uh, students like kaylin and the next generation can congregate they can support each other they can have a sense of community in a physical space but also that physical space has to be reflective and, and anchored in the values of the Franciscan ministry. And so very excited about St. Francis Hall. It's going to be a gateway to uh, Fran U. It's going to be a gateway on that Essence, uh, Essen Lane, Perkins Corridor. So we're very excited about that. And I know Dr. Holland can talk to you mm -hmm. further about it. But those are some of the partnerships. And the last thing I would say, I have to put a plug in for economic development or else my my friends in economic development would kick me out of the, the fraternity or, or, or the sorority, as it were, um, is that, look, when you have the most important thing that we in economic development, people who are marketing a particular place, in my case is New Orleans, Adam Knapp Markets, Baton Rouge. If you talk to Adam or you talk to uh, Mayor President Sharon Weston Broom or you talk to Governor Edwards or you talk to Don Pearson, who's the secretary of LED, the one thing that everybody will tell you to a man, to a woman, is talent. 
And it's not the talent that's technically proficient. It's talent that has judgment, leadership, wisdom, and integrity. Uh, and we're seeing every day under the pressure of COVID and isolation and the, 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 the disconnect from normalcy, you're seeing people from the highest levels of our society crumble under that pressure because they're not anchored. And, and, and people who go through uh, Fran you and graduate and participate and, and, and get everything out of it like Kaylin have done, they're anchored. There's a substance there. There's a, there's a bottom to them that's not going to be shocked. That's not going to be shaken as they go through the crucibles of life. And that's, that's just life. You know, this pandemic, this is only for a season. But when you have a certain anchoring and connecting to God and to Christ and you understand whose you are, you have a bottom that will not allow you to be shaken. That's You've got a foundation to build on that's not going to yes. get shaken, that's not going to fall. You know, for, that's what I was here, you know, the building, you know, and we jumped over this and you said it real quick and I meant to bring it up in the beginning for anybody – Anybody that know, you guys are off of Essen Lane, you know, and that's it's you're tucked away and kind of hidden, you know, right now. And most people don't know, like, I'm sure somebody's probably going to be watching this the whole time until we're this far in going, well, where the heck is the place? You know, I've never we seen get, it. We hear that question a lot. It's, uh, you know, we're scattered really in 12 disparate buildings, all of which are um, converted medical office buildings, none of which were ever meant to house educational functions. And as adaptable as we have been over a hundred years, uh, we have um, made wherever we can um, usable. And our, I mean, when you get inside some of the buildings, you would be amazed at what is being done and um, how creatively resourceful folks have been to make the most out of much less sub standard, um, you know, much, much less than, than optimal um, physical space. So um, it is time, it is past time that um, uh, Fran Yu uh, begin to build a campus, a true campus. And it starts with a front door as, as Quentin so eloquently called it. And that's St. Francis Hall. Uh, and St. Francis Hall has been, um, uh, planned and talked about and, and debated for too many years. Um, the university is in a position now to be able to, um, uh, you know, have the resources to service the financing on um, a 74,000 square foot building that will touch every student from certificate level student clear through to the doctoral level, uh, clinical and non-clinical students. Um, it will house our simulated environment teaching hospital, which is a high fidelity, um, very top notch, you know, high speed um, I, facility that does pretty remarkable things. You'd think you were actually in a clinical setting and it will have both an, it will have an outpatient floor and an inpatient floor. We do um, interdisciplinary scenarios so that the respiratory students, the rad, the, the x-ray students, the rad tech students, the nurses, the PAs, the physical therapists, all work together on a case. We'll have ethic, uh, ethical issues that we'll have to address. 
Um, the communications faculty will be in there to uh, possibly to um, evaluate the student's ability to clearly and honestly communicate bad news to a patient. Mm -hmm. We get to experience that. Uh, and it's su such a real environment that I've actually seen a student in a, um, a psych situation where they had a psych patient who was, and the psych patient is what we call a standardized patient. It's somebody that volunteers and they learn how to act and, and, and how to um, portray the symptoms. Of, and so we had a, a psych patient who was really good. And she, um, she scared the living daylights out of a nursing student so that when the nursing student had to go get the meds, she just sat down in the, in the medicine uh, room and lost it. And the teacher said, you know, in the deeper, then we all, they all went back to the debriefing room and the teacher said, now, this is where you want this to happen, right? This is where, because, um, you know, this, she's going to be okay. Now we're going to work through this again. But it's like when you do a, a, a dress rehearsal when you're performing and you completely screw it up and there's no audience. Okay, fine. And then you feel that much more comfortable when you perform in front of an audience. So it is when they're in the real clinical situation. Our clinical, uh, our, our simulation director will say, you know what? It's okay if the dummy dies. Yeah. <laughs> you know, we don't want to lose the, the real person. So this new building will, will have the very best um, uh, material for students to work with in these interdisciplinary scenarios to prepare them the very best they can be prepared um, as whole people in a, in a clinical situation. There'll also be a chapel there, um, the San Damiano Cross, which is very much the signature cross for our um, for Franciscans, will be a, a center point of the building. Uh, so it makes it very clear we are Franciscan. Um, uh, student life kinds of things, the, the clubs, all the uh, organizations that Kalem was or, uh, involved in, all of those um, functions will be in that building. Um, it's, it is something that we, we very much are, are looking forward to, and it will be a major step toward the future of FranU, just the beginnings. Um, and a very clear signal that we are adapting to the needs of our community. Where, um, and we, the building itself will be an adaptable building, one that has the kind of technology that will respond to the ongoing and changing needs of healthcare. That's amazing. So where is, where is this building gonna be? It'll be on the corner of Brittany and Picardy. So we're okay. struggled in there, um, Hennessy, between Hennessy and Picardy. And then there's a couple of the cross streets, Dides, and um, I forget what the, maybe it's- And this is getting started now, uh, well, soon. Right? We get an agreement on our, on our financing. So we're hoping that we have a shovel in the ground within a year. We got delayed oh, wow. significantly because of COVID, but we'll- that simulation will be awesome. That's to be no, able to go through. I've seen. It's just that it's not. It's crammed into a, a building that was converted from a medical office building. It's still awesome. Like it is awesome. It's, it's already awesome. Yeah. The fact it's, like, I go, 
back to my plane analogy, a buddy of mine's a uh, fighter pilot and he goes, you know, you do all this training and he goes, the scariest time in your life is the first time they put you in the jet because they don't build them in two seater. You've got to just know it and right. you go. <laughs> so to be able to practice in that environment is amazing. So. I'll never forget the first time I had to knock on a patient's door and take vital signs. I was so nervous. And so that simulation, it really kind of helped you build the confidence, not saying overconfident yeah, whatsoever, because really every, every door is different, but um, the simulation is awesome. Like there's one that will give birth. They will cry. They will have an actual code blue. So you really learn everything in these simulation hospitals. And when the student the students deal with their first code, you can really see, whoops, this one needs a little more work, you know, because- <laughs> I'll never forget the mental health patient. Like it, you think that you know therapeutic communication and then you get to it and you're like, what am I supposed to say to this person? To one, not to make more angry than what they are, or two, make them want to hurt themselves. Like it, it's, it's awesome. And interestingly like enough, you know, in the non-clinical programs, we, we, we try to mirror the same sort of experience. So we have a theology major as a Catholic institution. And um, unlike any other theology program, our students right from the get-go are in ministry. They immediately start, they're, you know, they're appropriately supervised, but they immediately start working within the diocese. Um, and they're constantly, as they learn the theology, they are constantly reflecting on, okay, how is that, how is that manifested in practice? Or how does this, you know, what does this theoretical concept have to do with the fact that I had this kid in my youth group who's watching porn? Well, here's what, you know, here are the, 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 the theological foundations. And then here's how you can meet the meet that, young man in your youth group where he is and help him to understand the beauty of the creation that he is and how he is essentially, you know, putting himself in, in true danger when he is looking at that stuff. So mm -hmm. they, um, they're just learning again in a very much in a clinical way, how to be, you know, youth ministers and uh, religious um, educators, and it, you know, um, theology teachers and religion teachers in the in the Catholic schools, but through that sort of hands-on experience. And we do the same with our 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 business student. They're immediately out in their partner organizations, working for um, Blue Cross Blue Shield or one of our health system partners doing things so that they can actually learn what they're, um, you know, experience what they're learning in the books. That's, and I guess that's where the partnership with Christo Ray comes in. You know, I know that's how they, you know, they do one day a week out in the field, which I think is yes. amazing. Because right. I, I think that's so important because I know some people that are just really book smart, but you put them in a, in a room, an office with people and you're just kind of like, you, you don't get it. You know, there's, like I had to tell somebody the other day, they were talking about, you know, well, this needs to happen and so-and-so needs to do this, this, and this. And it was like, you know, the, that's, 
you got to do a little politic in here to do this the right way. You got to ease this, you know, it's not just, you can't go in there and start beating your chest. And they're like, well, no, but that's the way it says, look, it's in the policy. And I'm like, yeah, but you, you, you can't do that. And they're like, why not? And I'm like, it's not all, I was always told, my mother always told me, it's not all black and white, they're shades of gray. Right. So, so, well, guys, this has been awesome. I want to see, I'd love to hear how the building, you know, comes along. I'd love to, you know, get updates, you know, see where things go. You know, Kayla, come back, tell us what, where you ended up, you know, when it's all said and done, if they let you out, you know, it doesn't sound like they're going to. She's going to um, bring us more students like her. <laughs> so, um Quentin, I appreciate it, man. Sounds like they got you running, you know, a little crazy as well. Got a day job and got, you know, to find some more partnerships and tie all this stuff together. And I'm sure being on the uh, Board of Trustees makes that building project a little bit higher priority for you. <laughs> so Exactly. I mean, the only thing I was, first of all, I want to thank you, Brandon, and your entire team and Kaylin and Dr. Holland for letting me hang out with them. But I think it's crucial for people to understand that, the the integrity and the fact that you have people who know when you meet someone that's a part of the Fran you family you can trust the word of that individual and i think that that is critically important in this period because there are a lot of people who are out there who are smart who are who are thoughtful but don't have that integrity and, and and there are very few things that you can be hang your hat on. You can hang your hat on the word of a Fran U graduate. And I think that's it sounds. Staff. It sounds like what you guys have done. If I, you know, obviously this can't be the sole, you know, acid test, but it really sounds like, you know, with hundred percent placement, uh, we've talked to you. The passing rates are through the roof. You know, it's almost. I don't know if I'm going to say this the right way, but if your resume is stamped with a Fran U, that means something more than another school you know because it's what well, it's all the things we've talked about here to almost to where you've got employers that can kind of look through and go oh oh brand you put that on. i'm not even going to finish i'm just going to put it on the short list you know call them in for an interview that's all i needed to see you know at that point right but that's it, why it's so important that we blow the lid off of this best kept secret and why i'm grateful to you for this opportunity to um, get the word out uh, why we count on our trustees and our students to share um, everything that they know that is um, that is Fran U, the value that we bring to the to the community, um, and if we can get that that you know blow that lid entirely off, imagine what more we could do because there are so many folks that don't know about us who we could mm -hmm. serve and who children or whose spouse could have the kind of experience that Kaylin's having and then will go out there and make a difference um, and one that is is desperately needed. One question before we wrap, I know you guys have more important things to do than to talk to me, but you mentioned a spouse, you know, is there option, is, you know, is there an opportunity for somebody listening to this, you know, I picture you know, it's the mom or it's, you know, the dad, you know, they're, I'm picturing my mom, you know, walking around the lake, you know, and they're kind of listening to this and going, you know, I want to give it a shot, but I can't just walk away from my day job, you know, and I've got a family, you know, is there, 
is there opportunity for them? Is there some way they can kind of do both at the same time? Like, like if I'm working, you know, everybody seems like in South Louisiana is in oil and gas, right? You either know somebody works at the plant, they're an operator at the plant, or they're got to get a job at the plant, or they're trying, you know, somebody's at the plant and goes, you know, I'm just done, you know, or God, I feel horrible. I did get a car the other day and I was talking to a guy and they're guy selling a car. He's like, yeah, I'm here six days a week from 8 a.m. to 8 p.m. I'm like, oh my God, that's just horrible. Like, well, what's interesting, uh, you know, it's interesting you would say that one of the fastest growing um, segments of the population in, in our among our students are people who already have a degree post baccalaureate folks or mm. people who have, may have an associate's degree or at least have some college and either they're transferring or they're reentering um, the, the, the school environment. Our average age is 27, actually. Um, and that has a lot to do with the number of graduate programs, but also the re-entry um, population. And um, depending on what their personal life situation is and what program they're taking, there are opportunities to go entirely online. So somebody who's an RN but doesn't have their bachelor's can take the RN to BSN program. It's entirely online. Um, the bachelor's in uh, business administration is online. The master's and health administration is on entirely online. Um, more and more of the programs are migrating in that direction because we're already in that space and we found that we can, you know, we can do that. And, uh, it, and that could be a path for somebody, right? They could flip and say, you know, I'm gonna do this online and then I'm gonna get into this, you know, the business side of the house. And right. then maybe they're able to make that transition to a new job. And yeah. then that new job in healthcare, they might say, look, I want to make another trend. You know, this was, this, you know, and that provider, yes. that company would then would say, well, yes, you know, we want, you know, if you want to go all the way to nursing, we'll help you. We'll work with you because that's going to benefit us at the end of the day. So just but because somebody's. Really, but we'll also work with folks, somebody's listening and they, you know, they click on www.franu.edu and want to talk to somebody, the, we will approach it not so much as, oh, okay, apply for admissions. We will talk about what is it that you think you might be being called to do? What are your interests? What's the overlap between what, what really gets you excited, you know, what's your passion, what you're, you think you've got aptitude, you've got ability, and three, where there's a need. And the greatest overlap among those three things are what we call your vocation. And mm -hmm. we, we do some counseling with uh, students or potential students to help them to determine, oh, okay, that might be what um, I'm interested in. It isn't limited to where's the demand and how much you can, can you get paid. Those are important, but they're not going to um, be terribly meaningful unless one, you have a passion, Two, you have the ability, um, and three, there's a need out there. Um, again, that that threefold overlap really helps you to discern that's my vocation. And I'll tell you a story about a young lady that um, I talked to on during COVID, who was a graduate from LSU in mass communications and lost her job in New Orleans um, in COVID, and was. Um, thinking that, well, um, they need nurses, I can get a job nursing. So it was the job that was motivating her. And she went to 
see what it would take. And boy, it would have been a long haul with what would transfer, what wouldn't transfer. And um, she was going to have to be on the waiting list for certain classes. And I thought, mm -mm, I mean, I'm just going to, let me call this kid. So I called her. Now, again, there's not too often a president of the university is going to call a, an applicant. But, you know, I just thought about, she was about my daughter's age, just lost her job, trying to figure out what she's going to do with her life. If this was my kid, I'd want somebody to talk to me about uh, <laughs> something more than just how do you get on the wait, you know, how do you move up the wait list on these courses? So I called her and um, we talked. And we had the conversation about vocational discernment and um, the why behind her interests. And it turns out that actually she wanted to be a physical therapy assistant, which is a, a very, very rigorous associate's degree at 80 something credits, believe it or not. Um, and uh, a very, um, can be a very rewarding career if that's what it is that brings you passion. And as she learned about the different options for her, I had her talk to the different professors, uh, program directors, and doggone if she didn't write me a letter, an old fashioned pen to paper letter with a stamp and envelope and everything um, to tell me, thanks for having that conversation. I am in the PTA program and so loving it am driven to, um, to, to this line of work, love my cat courses, love my faculty, have met some great students. Um, and it's a whole new start for this. I, we're getting more and more students in that kind of a situation that are having a, just a crisis of discernment and what do I do now? So we have to do more than just process their applications. We've got to, chat with them and help them to determine where they're going i um i pulled up while you're talking because maybe it makes sense maybe it doesn't but I, there was a uh, quote from uh and Quentin, you might like this as well in the economic side of the house uh, a little bit from steve jobs it says you know some people say give the customer what they want but that's not my approach our job is to figure out what they're going to want before they do i think henry ford once said if i asked a customer what they wanted they would have told me a faster horse People don't know what they want until you show it to them. That's why I never rely on market research. Our task is to read things that are not yet on the page. Yep. So, so it's kind of made me think about it when you're talking like, you know, let's call, let's not. And I tell that to everybody, you know, or say it to kind of draw the line as you were saying, you know, it's pick up a phone, make a call. You're not stuck, you know, and mm -hmm. it's not always black and white. There are shades of gray and there might be some ways. It might take you a little bit of a way to get there, but you'll be happier at the end you know, to make, you know, make the call. Maybe you'll be the lucky one. You get the call from, you know, Dr. Holland and she'll tell you what you need to be doing. <laughs> so, well, guys, look, I appreciate all the time that you've given to me here. This has been super informative. I hope somebody listening to this, you know, decides that, you know, enough's enough. I'm tired of doing, you know, this just job. You know, I think it it's a cliche, but as everybody says, you know, you really need to love what you do, you know, and you don't have to work a day in your life, but right. give people a chance, you know, whether it's, you know, first starting out or going back, you know, and this is right here in the middle of town. People don't realize it. Like you said, big kept secret, not for long. We'll get a building up, you know, pretty soon, but for now it's brand new.edu and you're a phone call away and you're, 
probably passing them at least twice a week as you drive around town. So you just didn't know it. So anything uh, I'm forgetting or before I let you guys get to back to the real life and important things other than talking to some guy on Zoom? So. No, thank we, you. we enjoyed this. Thank you. Thank you very much. Awesome. Well, thank you guys. Thank you very much. We'll talk again.